All right. Well, welcome everybody back to conversations about COVID uh, with Fisher Phillips. I'm pleased to have with me again um, my partner from our um, Houston office, Kevin Troutman. Kevin's been at the forefront of the COVID-19 vaccine um, issues and the developments that have been coming out day by day with new guidance, especially with respect to um, incentives that employers can provide to their in, to their employees to for, to get the vaccine. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Kevin's going to really do a deep dive into vaccinations for COVID-19 and, and incentives that employers can provide. So thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. And, um, you know, and what I would like for you to, to discuss, if you can, is just give employers sort of um, what they need to know about the current guidance as to whether they can provide incentives for their employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Sure. Thank you, Travis, for having me, and I'm happy to talk about this. Uh, we, could, we could talk for a long time, but uh, the, the, the key issues for employers to know is that you can offer incentives. Uh, we, we've received enough guidance to know that that's doable. Uh, the problem is, is we don't have a whole lot of guidance as to what those incentives should look like. Uh, the, uh, the history of incentives that actually are part of employee wellness programs. If, if you look at something like, you know, employers have asked me, clients have said, can we offer a hundred bucks? Can we offer 50 bucks? What, what can we do to encourage employees to get the vaccine? And, and those things fall under the broad umbrella of employee wellness programs. And uh, the, the rules related to those have been in a little bit of a state of uncertainty for a few years now, but uh, COVID, the vaccine, and the availability of the vaccine, and even now uh, employees' reluctance to take it in a lot of places has brought this incentive issue really to the forefront so that there are more questions now about incentives probably than there ever have been. So we can offer those incentives, but the EEOC guidance that was issued on January the 7th that was intended to kind of update what we could do and what we couldn't do um, was put on hold uh, during the transition of administration. So there, there's not a new rule in place now, although there may be one in place fairly soon, but we can still look to that proposed rule to at least get some insights as to what employers can and can't do. And um, as, as we've talked about with vaccines all along, the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA is kind of at the forefront. And uh, one of the key issues is uh, and this is in the, the proposed uh, rule from the uh, EEOC, is that employers can offer incentives, but those incentives are only supposed to be of de minimis value. Uh, in other words, they, they compared the incentives to say the value of a water bottle or something in the neighborhood of 20 to $25. And if you, and if you look at uh, what we're seeing in the workplace where maybe half of the employees plus or minus 10 or 15%, uh, are reluctant or maybe afraid to get the vaccine, uh, we're not sure uh, that that's going to be enough to change anybody's minds. But uh, in the absence of more guidance, it's a little unclear as to just how far employers can go in offering those incentives. So we're seeing some employers are uh, offering the incentives. Some are uh, offering something of that de minimis value. Some are offering a little bit more. But one point that I would make is we're finding that a lot of employees are reluctant to get the vaccine simply because they don't understand enough about it. It's their impression that the vaccine was rushed and it may not be safe. So anything that an employer can do 
to help employees understand what the vaccine is about, what to expect, how it's been tested, the approval process that it went through, and how it can make for a safer workplace. All those things are going to help, I think, move employers toward their goal of more people participating in vaccine programs. But if, if you start thinking about incentives, uh, one thing that some employers are doing, which we think is relatively low risk, is just providing some paid time off to, to workers and saying, we, we hope you'll use this time to uh, go get the vaccine. Now, uh, that, that by itself may or may not motivate people to actually go get the vaccine. So some employers have, have offered smaller incentives in that $20, $25 range. Uh, they've also done things like saying, we're going to pay you for the time it takes you to go get the vaccine. And maybe the employer will say, we, we think that'll be two hours, but we want to pay you for the amount of time you actually work. Well, that, that raises other questions about uh, tracking employees' time and controlling uh, overtime and cost and that sort of thing. So, so it raises new issues, but that's something that uh, some employers have, have done. And uh, we, we think the risk associated with that is, is probably in the medium to low range, but you've got to manage it carefully and, and watch over it. We've seen other uh, employers offering uh, greater incentives, but, but the thing to remember is that uh, courts over the last few years and then the EEOC and the guidance that they issued in January clearly explained that they think that a, uh, an incentive of more than this de minimis value might have a coercive effect, that's, that's how they described it, that would uh, cause employees to disclose confidential medical information, possibly disability-related information, and uh, that, that that would, in effect, uh, violate their rights under the ADA, potentially, and, and potentially invalidate then the wellness program or the offering that the employer is making. So that, that's why the ADA is so important. Another issue that uh, employers need to be aware of is whatever incentive they decide to offer. Again, you, you can go from very minimal value to higher value, understanding that the greater value in the incentive, the greater the risk that goes along with it. But whatever that incentive is, if you have an employee who comes forward and says, I have a disability that uh, prevents me from taking the vaccine, but I still want to be able to earn the incentive, that that triggers other responsibilities for the employer under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And you've got to talk to the employee about what kind of alternative or what kind of accommodation you might be able to offer that employee to enable them to still qualify for the incentive uh, because they're unable to do it uh, due to their medical condition. So it, it gets fairly complicated fairly quickly, just understanding that the, uh, the, the ADA itself is, is kind of the overriding um, statute that we have to be concerned with in evaluating what we may do. And then the EEOC guidance related to the ADA for that purpose. But uh, there are also HIPAA and Affordable Care Act issues uh, where there have been some restrictions placed on how much of an incentive that uh, employers can offer uh, under wellness programs. But those, those limits are, are higher than what we've been talking about under the ADA and the EEOC guidance. Uh, wage and hour loss could be implicated. So uh, there, there's a number of areas to look at. So it's not something that anybody should just jump into without giving it um, you know, careful thought. Uh, there's also the potential that an employee may say, 
my sincerely held religious beliefs or practices prevent me from taking this vaccination, but I'd still like a chance to uh, earn the incentive. And again, that would trigger the responsibility to have a conversation with the employee about what it, what it is specifically that uh, is, is keeping them from being able to take the vaccine and whether there's an alternative that the employer can offer. Sure. Keeping in mind, again, that all of these discussions have to be under the umbrella of confidentiality, especially anything related to employee medical information. Well, that's, um, I had a couple questions just to follow up, Kevin, on that. I appreciate those. That's sure. very well done. This, the first one is that some employers may say, well, I've never heard of the wellness program, and am I subject to that? And my question would be, can you sort of elaborate a little about what that is and how how does a company become subject to the, the guidance for wellness programs? Because that might be something that a lot of employers have never heard of, and they would say, well, we don't have a wellness program. And just if you could elaborate a little bit and give some clarity on that issue, it'd be great. Sure. And, and that's a common question. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, Travis. But uh, if, if an employer is subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act, and, and most employers are, the threshold for coverage is just 15 employees. So if employees, uh, I'm sorry, if employers are covered by the ADA, then they're going to be subject to these wellness rules because that was the basis for the EEOC to issue those rules. So even though you don't think of it as a wellness program, if, if there's an incentive that's offered and it has to do with participating in a program or, or some activity that's intended to improve workplace health or improve employee health, then it's almost certainly going to fall under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, and the questions that are going to come up in the course of uh, administering a vaccine in some cases, and that, that could get to be a, a fairly complicated discussion in and of itself. But as you, as you talk about these issues and incentivizing employees to take the vaccine, you're, you're inevitably going to have to talk, at least with some employees, about medical issues. And, and if you do, then uh, that the ADA is, is what causes most employers to get roped into this. Now, if you have a voluntary program, if it's purely voluntary, and the employer is not, not getting this medical information from uh, the employees, then uh, they, they may be able to pass muster in terms of complying with the wellness program rules or, or what the rules we anticipate are going to be based on case law and EEOC comments. But uh, if, if the incentives are too large, then they're probably going to be challenged at some point uh, on the basis that they've uh, coerced employees to disclose uh, confidential medical information, and that would be a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And that's and that's, so that's where the connection is. Yeah, and I think that's my that was my second question, Kevin. I think you may have answered it, but so the the public policy behind the de minimis incentive initiative, and I think you touched on that. But just to clarify that, why do they only want a de minimis incentive provided to the employees? Yeah, the underlying concern is that employees should not be coerced or forced into uh, disclosing their confidential medical information. If they do it on a purely voluntary basis, that's okay. But if a program is structured in a way that would be viewed as coercive, uh, encouraging or, or requiring employees to divulge information that they don't otherwise want to divulge about their medical situation, uh, that, that's where the, uh, that, that's the evil, I guess, that the ADA 
and the EEOC uh, would be trying to uh, avoid or trying to cure. Okay. Well, Kevin, that's been very helpful. Um, as you can tell by listening to this podcast, this is a very complicated um, area. It's also changing rapidly. It's evolving every single day. So if you need assistance, feel free to reach out to Kevin uh, or the Fisher Phillips team. And we certainly appreciate you tuning in today. And uh, thank you to Kevin for uh, your, your guidance on this matter. Thank you, Travis. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.